Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in. Welcome in to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast Thursday edition. My name is Patrick Allen. We will be joined momentarily by our old pal, Matt Verderam from now Sports Illustrated. That feels kind of weird to say after working with Matt for so many years here at Fansided. Um, but we were able to get him back on the show for a little guest spot. What's up, Doug in Kansas? Is the YouTube crew is firing things up? Yeah, we're just going to give folks some time to get in here. Got a great show lined up for you today. Um, obviously, we're going to get some thoughts from Verderam. So much has happened since the last time he was on the show. So love to hear from him about his thoughts on Chiefs free agency and all of the moves that have been happening. Obviously, kind of the, I don't know, bigger, a few different things floating around. Just so, for a quick news update for anybody who not be, might not be aware, McCole Hardman is gone. He goes to New York to play for the Jets. Uh, and then the Jets went ahead and traded Elijah Moore to the Cleveland Browns. He was a, Elijah Moore was a person that a lot of Chiefs fans on Twitter I saw, since the Chiefs definitely need help at wide receiver, were saying, hey, well, uh, you know, the Jets, they're adding all these wide receivers that Aaron Rodgers wants. And uh, now uh, maybe we should look into Elijah Moore. They'll move on from him uh, as Matt Verderam joins us. How you doing, man? It's just like old times. You were running late. I am. I was I was doing an interview for a story. I'm sorry, uh, it, but I was not going to cut the, uh, the person short. So here I am. I'm a few minutes late, but you survived just like in old times. So it's OK. Just just like just like in old times. It's uh, I know all about uh, not cutting somebody short, having co-hosted the show with you for so many uh, so many years. Um, everybody's really excited to have you back, man. How are things going on over there at uh, Old Sports Illustrated? They're going good. They're going good. Like I said, working on on some stuff right now. Uh, I've, I've got oh god, I don't know. Let's see what's what's up today. Uh, five best signings of free agency is up today. You can you can check that out tomorrow. I got my five worst signings free agency coming out, and then uh, got a piece. Of Aaron Rodgers had mentioned uh, on the Pat McAfee show that he felt he was potentially the greatest Packer of all time, which is not unreasonable. I decided to try to find out if he's the greatest Packer of all time. So I talked to some people who have been involved in that organization, and I really burnt the the old midnight oil trying to figure out, is he? Is he the best Packer of all time? That'll be out next week. But uh, there's a whole lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. I'm working on things that go out next week. I'm working on things that go out in May. So yeah. Um, it's good, man. It's been good. It's been a lot of fun. It's a different role for you than you had here. Similar in many ways, but but sure. different. Uh, different company, different priorities. So you and I are chatting about that over text message today. So it's it's got to be fun to just really be focused and tapped in on the league, having these conversations. And you're putting out daily daily content. Yeah, I write about. Uh, let's, let's see. This is the third week I've been there. So uh, about three times, about three times a week. And I'm with uh, Gilberto Manzano, who does a hell of a job, and, and they hired him. Uh, alongside myself to be the staff writers there. Uh, Connor Orr and, and, and Albert Breer have been great teammates and they're the, the senior writers. And so uh, it has been a lot of fun. I, you know, it, it's funny, like it's different. Yes. I mean, obviously there, there's differences in every job you have, but it's still like, it's, it's football, you know, like you're still writing about football. The, the fun thing I think now, and, and I did this at fan side as well, but I just have more time probably just to chase down people and bother them. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the thing I enjoy the most. 
So that that's been that's been good. But well, I'm happy to be uh, you know back here every uh, once in a while. That'll be fun. I'm, I'm I'm appreciative for Sports Illustrated allowing me to to hop on and 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 join the show and talk Chiefs. And uh, I uh, I'm I'm happy to be back and, and see uh, see everybody in the chat. This is this is cool. Yeah, you know, um, it's funny. Obviously, I I hired you at Fansided, and and, and you yeah. worked with me for a number of years. I was your direct report for for a little while. And 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 uh, I what I've been waiting for since you've left is now you know I'm not above you in the hierarchy anymore. You can really tell me what you really think of me. And I've been waiting for like I don't know, you just to show up in the front door, you know, and give me a eight years worth of a piece of your mind. But it hasn't happened yet. Well. You know, you worked with me, as you pointed out, for eight years. So you ought to know that it wouldn't have taken me moving on for me to tell you what I thought. <laughs> That's right. It wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah. There, there were plenty of times, especially in my first handful of years of Fansida, where I would have said things I, I probably shouldn't have to anybody. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, no, it, it, listen, I loved it. It was great. I think it's one of those things. Like I had a handful of people ask me, like on Twitter and stuff, when I announced that I was going to Sports Illustrated. It was like, well, you know, what happened? Why'd you move on? They're like, have you ever been in the same place for eight years? Like, I think for me, like, I love fan sided. I will always champion fan sided. I had an amazing experience. And when I told you guys I was leaving, you guys were really supportive about it. It wasn't any like sometimes you leave and it's like you get the cold shoulder on the way out the door. It was the complete opposite of that. I think that's evidenced by me sitting here right now. Yeah. I think, you know, it's just one of those things sometimes. You know, you, you want a different challenge. You want to try something new. And and I think for me, really, that was it. But I, I really do. Uh, I, I do appreciate, you know, you guys having me on as a guest here and there down the road. And, uh, you know, this is this is cool to be back. And there's plenty to talk about because Chiefs fans are either saying, hey, calm down, relax. It's fine. They'll get a receiver. Or they're saying, oh, my God, I'm going to have to try out for the team to be a receiver because we don't have any. Yeah. But that's what makes the offseason fun and what makes you exciting and interesting because you never really know which way this thing's going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, on the show, we have to we have bills to pay. So that means that I've got to ask you to hang tight for a second. Why let everybody know about some of this breaking news that we have? Our sponsors, the Kansas City Beer Company, once said that they would never release an IPA, but they just brewed one so good they broke their own rules. And I had to tell them, Verderam, when they were sending that out, I said, they said, what about Verderam? I said, no, man, he's off the team. He doesn't get any. Um, It's called Never Say IPA, and it's the newest beer and the first IPA to hit the KC beer lineup. The beer is a celebration of German and American brewing traditions using both German and American hops, as well as German malt and yeast. This beer is so refreshing and aromatic, you have to try it. It's another great beer from the award-winning brewery with such a terrific lineup of brews. So whatever type of beer you're into, KC Beer has a style for you look for the red kc beer co cartons in your local store and support the arrowhead attic podcast by supporting kc beer co yeah you, you need to do us that favor Verum. now that you're not on the team anymore you need to you need to at them on twitter and say hey i heard about your beer on the arrowhead attic podcast get us one more all right well, business is out of the way but thanks to our sponsor kc beer so i'll add this for them by the way because this is legit this actually happened yesterday so i was so for the my super followers on Twitter, I did a kind of like we do here. I did a, a happy hour, right? I did a virtual happy hour and just kind of went on, took questions, and we chatted and talked. And I decided I, I had to go to Target yesterday. So when I ran out, there was actually there was a line of Google Summer Shandy. Like they just started putting it out, and it's, I love that beer. Yeah. Now it's kind of ironic that it's out on March twenty second. It's about I don't know twenty degrees out, but I was like, what the hell? Like this will make me at least feel like it's summer. So I grabbed a six pack and I pulled it out. I'm going to you know bring it down for the for the happy hour. And Maisie, who I would have had a peer on here, but she's not home right now. Yeah. Maisie goes, what are you drinking that beer for? 
Where's the one with the football on it? And of course, she was referring <laughs> to the arrow, the arrowhead red lager from yep. Casey Beer. So it was so Casey Beer even has my five year old daughter in, in its pocket. That's nice. That's nice. I still have a few of those arrow red lagers. I hit one up the other day. So so much to talk to you about. So much has happened since the last time you were on the show with the Chiefs and free agency. Hell, man, you're you're sitting in a prestigious seat right now because in consecutive weeks we had Jason Reed from ESPN and Anscape sitting in your chair. And then last week, Melissa Etheridge. Um, so a little, yep. a little bit of a downgrade. It's, it's a big downgrade. <laughs> yeah. What, you know, we went another, Jason reminds me a lot of you, just, I mean, just the football knowledge that guy has. He's a great guest to have on. Melissa, incredible knowledge of the Chiefs. Obviously, she's a huge fan, but she's not like a pretender. She's not like a Mahomes bandwagon fan. She no. was, you know, she was talking about Bobby Bell and those boys. So, but let's talk about the Chiefs now. Free agency so far, lots have happened. Additions of Juwan Taylor, Charles Almanhue. I think that's how you say Omenahu. it. Omenahu, that's it. That's the first time I tried to say it out loud. Pretty close, not bad. Drew, Drew Tranquil and uh, and Mike Edwards obviously said goodbye to Juju Smith-Schuster, Orlando Brown, Colin Saunders, Frank Clark, and retained Derek Noddy comes back and Nick Algretti. I guess the first thing I wanted to ask you about was the Juwan Taylor move in the, in the Orlando Brown Jr. departure. Um, I've seen... Chiefs fans going either way on this. I've seen, you know, Bengals fans think they just got the fleece of the century. Not only did they get the, you know, an all pro in their view, <laughs> left sure. tackle. Right. Uh, the Chiefs got a guy who doesn't play left tackle and is like a, a terrible run blocker. So uh, what's your thoughts on that move for the Chiefs? Well, I mean, look, I think it, I think it's just a different type of player, right? So Juwan Taylor comes in at 4 and 80. And I've had a handful of people say, well, what, you know, this 4 and 80 for Juwan Taylor, but 4 and 64 for Orlando Brown. It's like, well, yeah, but the Chiefs actually offered Orlando Brown like 5 and 91 last year and didn't take it. And like I was texting somebody in the league right after Orlando Brown signed and the terms came out with Cincinnati. And the person who I was speaking with, or was texting with, was like, I, I feel for the kid, like he, ended up losing a lot of money throughout this whole process. I mean, the, the Chiefs offered him significantly more than the Bengals did. Now, that was a year ago, that offer, okay? And and I'm not sitting there crying in my my soup for Orlando Brown. Man's going to make a generational amount of money. He's okay. I think, ultimately, the Chiefs are going from one guy who had to go from right tackle to left tackle to another one. But I think the difference is Brown, you always knew he could run block because of his time in Baltimore. The question was always going to be how much of a natural – pass protector can he be at left tackle with Juwan Taylor Juwan Taylor struggled early in his career for Jacksonville really played much better the last two years he's a much more natural pass protector when you watch him he's got really good feet he's he's more agile he's not he's not the big mauler that Brown was in the run game and I think that's where they may struggle a little bit is running behind him but I don't know that if you're the Chiefs really care because let's face it the way they run the ball first of all it's sparingly second of all like they've got a great interior um, and if Niang plays right tackle he's a good run blocker so I think if you're Kansas City you're you're probably pretty happy with the trade-off I mean ultimately Taylor is the better pass protector and if you're Kansas City and you have your left tackle, like who? What would you rather have, right? So I think it's a, I think it's probably a better fit, and you get certainty instead of tagging Brown, which we've only, of course, been for one year. You now have the certainty of okay, you've got a four-year deal, and really, if you look at it, it's a two-year deal with with you know some some wiggle room in the third year, and then basically a team option in the fourth. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I saw conflicting things about Taylor. I, I was reading the ESPN article. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but you know they were saying, and everyone's got their stats and their advanced metrics, right? right. And that article was the ESPN, their stat is pass block win rate. They were really high on Andrew Wiley as as a, a pass block win rate win rate guy. They were they they were not high on on Taylor, which was interesting. But then you see other stats out there that like, oh well, you know he only gave up pressures on like two percent of his dropbacks or something like that. So if you're a fan out there and you're you're seeing all this stuff and you're seeing well, PFF had him as the worst run block, uh, you know, run blocker and and all of these pass block win rate. Like, how do you how do you make heads or tails of that if you're if you're a Chiefs fan? I don't because I don't care. Um, I think, look, the reality is like, and this, I always laugh to stuff. Like if you look at ESPN and then you look at PFF and you look at their grades for specific offensive lines and then, in, you know, into the minutia of the offensive linemen one by one by one, like they vary wildly. Now, my question is like, how is that possible? If you're all looking at the same bill and this guy won or lost, like how yeah. does it all vary? Because your grading criteria is different. You might see one thing and another guy sees another. The other part of it too is like, if you're not in that building, you don't know exactly what everybody's assignment is, and maybe there was a call made and you're supposed to slide. My feeling is this. If you, if you ask people in the league, I think most people feel like Jawan Taylor is a good tackle. I don't think anybody feels like he's an elite tackle. I don't think the Chiefs are assigning him thinking he's an elite tackle. I think they feel like he's a good tackle with upside. I think his career kind of bears that out. His first couple of years, he struggled. Now, I would also argue, look, this is a guy who over his last three years played for three different coaches. Okay, Like, that's... It's a lot. Andy Heck's one of the best O-line coaches in the league, but I think anybody would tell you that. And I also think with the Chiefs, too, like, and this isn't even like just a Chiefs take, but I think it's just reality. Like, Brett Veach has kind of earned the benefit of the doubt at this point, hasn't he? I mean, at yeah. some point, he's just kind of going, yeah, he probably knows what he's doing. Yeah. I think Taylor's a good player. I think he's about the level of player that Brown is. I just think they're a little bit different. I think Brown's a better run blocker. I think Taylor's probably a little more nimble, a little bit better of a pass blocker. I think there's going to be games where you get frustrated with Juwan Taylor, and I think there's going to be games where you're really happy with him, and I think that sounds a lot like Orlando Brown. She's won a lot of games with Orlando Brown. I think they'll win a lot of games with Juwan Taylor. I, we had a conversation on the podcast the last couple of weeks about you know, everybody. Um, so Aaron Wilson had, was when the Chiefs were supposedly in the, the Laramie Tunsil sweepstakes. You know, he's he had a report and he said, hey, uh, you know, it, it, just because the Chiefs put out that they want Taylor to play left tackle doesn't that could be a little bit of a smokescreen if they were trying to trade for Tunsil. Now, Tunsil's been resigned and that that's probably off the table. Right. And it would be a lot of money to pay for a potential right tackle. But do you think we're in an era where the Chiefs and other teams may not be looking at the left tackle like is the is the is the you know, you can't pay a right tackle. It's not as important as left tackle with the way that teams rush now and they move pass rushers around. And further to that, could you see a situation where maybe the Chiefs have their eye on a left tackle in the draft and they don't know if they're going to be able to get them, but they have assets to maybe move up. Could you see a situation where Brett Veach says, hey, yeah, I don't mind paying this guy a lot over at right tackle. I can keep him there and I can move up and get a, a left tackle I really like on a rookie deal, but I don't know if it's going to work out. So I'm doubling down. I, I think, again, you know, look, if you're the chief, first of all, I, I was told then, and my understanding remains now, he's their left tackle. Now, you know, things could change, of course, yeah. but that, I mean, that that's the, that's the reason they signed him. I think you're Kansas City. Like, look, when you look at that offensive line, let's just pencil him in and left, left tackle. If he's just solid and good, which I 
I think the expectation will be you're pretty damn good all the way across the right tackle. If Lucas Niang, if he ends up being the right tackle, like as long as he's not a road cone, you're in pretty good shape. I think they're going to have to go out and draft a tackle reasonably early, even if they like Niang. Right now, who's your swing tackle? You don't have one. Yeah, That guy's not on the roster. So you got to draft him. I don't want to hear about Darren Kennard. Nothing against Kennard, but like you don't, you're, you're, you're telling me you feel really confident if, if, Somebody has an ankle sprain and misses two weeks. And Darian Kennard's on the blind side. Like I don't think that's the case. So I, I'll tell you what, and I don't know if, if the Chiefs have any interest in this. Like I haven't asked. I don't know. Just kind of spitballing here. Isaiah Wynn's a former first round pick of the Patriots, and he is still available. He's still out on the market. He had an injury last year, cut his season short. And I have no idea if he'd have interest. But if you're the Chief, that wouldn't be the worst signing in the world. Like let him go compete at right tackle. And if he loses the job to Niang, fine. And whoever whoever does lose the job is now your swing tackle. Like that, I know some, you know, it's not the sexy position. That's a really important position. Remember Cam Irving when Cam Irving was a swing tackle? He wasn't great, but like he was he was good enough that if he had to play a handful of games, it didn't get you killed. So also one of the great teammates of all time, by the way. Nobody was more excited on the on the sideline than Cam Irving. But, yeah, I think, you know, that's something to watch. I think the Chiefs are going to have to add another tackle. Maybe it's a vet. Maybe it's a rookie. But clearly, they're, they're going to have to do some work there because they don't have that swing guy. Yeah, and and we're going to talk about the whole receiver thing in a, in a little bit here. But I, I wanted to ask you about kind of the defensive side of the ball because when you look at some of those additions after Taylor, you know, you're adding, you're adding a, a pass rusher. You're adding Drew Twi- Tranquil, which I think was a surprise for a lot of Chiefs fans given the – investment that the Chiefs have made at the linebacker position. You add uh, Mike Edwards, obviously you're, you know, you're losing Juan Thornhill as well. But do you think that do you think that Brett Veach is really maybe sort of turning his attention to the to continuing to improve this defense? I've wondered if after last year and winning that with the offense that he won with, he's even more emboldened with as long as I have competent football offensive football players around Patrick Mahomes and a good line. I can I can score points, so I need to 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 stock up on defense. Yeah, I mean, look. So I can tell you right now that they were surprised at the market for Tranquil. Like talking to people after that signing, there was surprise that one year and, and three million upwards of five million. Like I think there was a thought from a lot of people in the NFL he get a multi year contract. I mean, he had 144 tackles, five sacks. He's really good in coverage. You had him with Gay and with Bolton, and that is a and Chanel. I mean, that is a very formidable second level. And Mike Edwards was a guy who started all year long in Tampa last year and is a very good third safety. He was on that Super Bowl team that beat the Chiefs. And look, I think he and Cook are going to kind of battle it out to see who starts. And whoever doesn't is a hell of a third safety. The Chiefs, to me right now, you talked about Amenahu earlier, right? You have him and Carl Loftus on the edges. They brought back Wharton. They brought back Naughty. Kind of a little rotation there next to Jones. Of course, Dana can move around all over. He's a movable chess piece. Same thing with Amenahu. But really, man, like, I think if you're Veach, and, and I, I did a spaces on this today earlier on Twitter, the receiver thing is, is it's real, but like, it's also kind of overblown, in my opinion. I understand they only have three guys on the roster right now. They got to add three more. I think it makes sense to bring back Justin Watson on a one-year deal. I know some people don't love that. But the reality is, look, Mahomes trusted him. He knows the system. He can play some teams. You need guys on the back half of the depth chart like that, too. Like, not everybody needs to be a number one receiver. Watson fills the back half of the depth chart actually pretty well. So if you bring him back, they have him and MVS, and you have Sky Moore, and you have Tony. And my whole thing is like, look, guys, you have wide receiver one. His name's Travis Kelsey. Like, Travis Kelsey's the number one wide receiver, okay? 
He has more receiving yards than anybody in the world since 2016, more than any wide receiver. So you have him. The big risk is you're banking on Tony, who is immensely talented, but he has an injury history. So, like, you don't know, is he going to play 15, 16, 17 games? Is he going to play eight games? That's a huge question mark. And then you have MVS. MVS is fine as your third option. Sky Moore is fine as your fourth option. They bring back Watson. He's fine as the fifth option. I think the Chiefs will bring in one rookie, and I think they'll bring in one more vet, in addition to even if they bring back Watson, whether that's Hopkins or it's Beckham or somebody else. Who knows? We'll see. I see somebody asking me, is Mike Evans a possibility? Yeah, I think it's a June 1st, uh, post-June 1, yeah, because then the Buccaneers save a lot of money by trading him. Right now, they'd eat a lot of money by trading him. But like I would point to, and I did this again, I, I talked about the show on Twitter, there were two games last year I keep looking at that Chiefs fans should, I think, realize and pay attention to. And I'm not saying it's ideal. You don't want to do this all year. But they played the Chargers last year on Sunday Night Football in L.A. <laughs> yep. And they did not have Juju. They did not have Tony. They did not have Hardman. And they still lit up the Chargers for 30 points. And Mahomes almost threw for 10 yards in attempt in that game. It didn't matter. Moore came in and played well. Watson came in and played well. They lit the Chargers up all night. And they didn't have any of those guys, any of them, playing receiver. Then, we all know in the AFC Championship game, they're throwing the ball to Marcus Kemp late in the game. Right. None of it mattered. Still won. He threw for well over 300 yards. They beat a really, really great Bengals team and, a, and an excellent defense. Coached really well. Do you want to make a living doing that every single week? No. And I think that they won't. I think they'll add some guys here. But I don't think the sky's falling. I keep seeing this national conversation of like, well, who's the number one receiver on the Chiefs? It's Kelsey. Yeah. That's who it is. They're trying to get a number two. They're not trying to get a number one. They have their number one. He's number 87. Yeah, I mean, this is a team I tweeted this out earlier. You know, people are panicking a little bit. The Chiefs signed Jarek McKinnon in June last year. They did. Kadarius Tony didn't they didn't get Kadarius Tony until the end of October, just before Halloween. And those guys down the stretch, well, I mean, you know, McKinnon the whole year blocking. He was the fourth leading receiver on the team. He was an incredible asset to their Super Bowl run. And then you had Tony come in and make an impact, albeit on a smaller scale, but on the biggest stage. So, it, you know, I think it, after this first wave of free agency and you're looking out and the team has holes, you might get a little bit nervous, but there's a long way to go here. And I think, that, as we all know, there's a set, there's the first wave of free agency, that's over. Then you have your second wave. And then things kind of really cool off until the draft because GMs are like, well, all right, I know who's out there. If they're still out there, they're probably still going to be out there after the draft. And I want to see what I can get in the draft. And then we're going to make our moves. So do you think, and I want to get, I want to get back into receiver in just a minute, but do you think like, for example, Frank Clark, he's still floating around out there. Is, is it possible he ends up back in Kansas city or is he just one of these guys? He's going to get signed, but he's probably not going to get signed until after the draft. Uh, I mean, he might get signed after he might get signed before. I don't know that that's really like, lockdown necessarily but yeah i mean look you're gonna have guys who linger till after the draft and you're gonna have guys who are who are, who are targets by the way for trade over the next month like i always think when you so let's use receivers okay let's start talking about who's going to be a free agent after this upcoming season mike evans Corey davis might get cut by the jets in fact i think he will be cut by the jets he's 29 years old he'd be an interesting guy Tyler Boyd, but obviously the Bengals are not trading him to the Chiefs. We, we know this. You look at a guy like Kendrick Bourne in New England. I don't know that he'd be traded out of there. I think they kind of need him. But he was he had a weird usage rate last year in New England. But there's a lot of guys. Like if you start looking, okay, that, that like makes sense. Like okay, so a guy like Lavisca Chenault in Carolina would Carolina move him at the right price? Maybe, maybe not. 
but maybe at least worth the phone call. You know, Van Jefferson with the Rams. By the the Rams are unloading everybody and their mother. Okay, like Van Jefferson, interesting. Maybe make a phone call there. You, you look at the Jets are shaking up everything, essentially. Denzel Mims, like, could you make that phone call? I feel like Chiefs fans have been talking about Denzel Mims for years. I mean, there's there's a million guys. And then there's also just guys that, like, look, you know, guys who uh, are, are going to be maybe too expensive for a team down the road as they start looking at their cap. You know, now this, now this guy's not going to land in Kansas City, but I've used him as an example a few times. Gabriel Davis from Buffalo. Yep. He's got one year left. Is Buffalo going to extend him for 15 to $20 million a year? Because if they're not, he's probably leaving. If you're Buffalo, would you trade him? Now, you're not trading him to the Chiefs, but my point is just there are guys like that. Think back to last year in the draft. During the first round, two receivers got dealt. Hollywood Brown, A.J. Brown. Why? Because they were on the last year of the rookie deals, and those teams didn't want to sign them to extensions. So I think, like, to me, that's the kind of guy that you're looking at and going, okay, like, what would happen if we made, a, you know, if you're the, from the Chiefs' perspective, what would happen if we made that phone call? And maybe maybe you get nothing out of it. I'll give you another guy, okay, that I actually think is really interesting because they have a ton of big contracts. And they just signed another one in free agency. Brandon Ayuk. Are the Niners going to pay Brandon Ayuk? Yeah. Because I got to tell you, if they're not, I'm, I'm absolutely making that phone call. What's it going to cost? Is it going to cost my first-round pick if I'm Brett Beach? Is it going to cost a mid-second value? Maybe it's like you give up a second you know, and, and, a, and a fourth or something to kind of add into it because obviously the Chiefs aren't drafting in the middle of the round. I think guys like that are guys you look at and go, okay, does that guy make sense? You know, Ayuk, for an example, he led the Niners last year in receiving yardage. He had 1,015, 78 catches, eight touchdowns. And can you imagine what that guy would do with Mahomes? Yeah. So – those are guys too that aren't free agents, but like you can make a phone call on them. Yeah. And, you know, one of our listeners here, uh, Mark Johnson said, you know, you guys are missing the point about last season. The point about last season is not what we were able to do with what we had. It's imagine what we could do with a number one to take the receiver off Kelsey. I look, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't need to imagine that. They used either. to have Tyree Kill. I know, I know what happened. I, and I also know that nobody else did anything when they had Tyree Kill. Right. I think Patrick Mahomes is, a, was a better quarterback last year than he has ever been in the, in his career. He was making things happen with guys. He was, you know, all those years. Remember, remember who who did Tom Brady had? Obviously, he had Welker and Gronk. Like, but like he was making like Dion Branch. Who were some of the guys that Manning was throwing oh, to? I mean, first of all, uh, in New England, uh, Rashad Caldwell, David yeah. Patton, David Patton, yeah, yeah, Givens, yeah. You had, I mean, they, it was you had Malcolm Mitchell, Danny Amendola. You want? I mean, you just keep going. Just keep on going all the way down the list. How many times did he turn a running back? Shane Vereen. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, James White, you know, guys who just would catch a million passes. I understand the point that's brought up, and it's a fair one. But I also think at the same juncture, look, like realistically speaking, I don't, I don't know that you can look at that and go, yeah, you know what? If they don't have a number one, all of a sudden now all the pressure's on. I mean, the Bengals have two number ones, and, and they score 20 points against Kansas City. Like sometimes I do believe if I'm the Chiefs, I'm thinking to myself, Mahomes can elevate a lot of these guys. And they're paying him a fortune, by the way. That's fine if they want him to do that. We've got the number one guy. We've got Kelsey. But if you're, if you can't see, you're sitting there thinking, okay, if we've got that guy, we need to just kind of have an ensemble cast around them because we've got a poor investment into the defense because Mahomes can't help the defense. When they're out on the field, like that's that's their their job and Mahomes is sitting there getting ready to go back out. So to me, it's always like that defense has to be what you build up. Because the offense with Mahomes, as long as he's got time and he's upright, they're always going to score points. Always. You have to be good defensively. 
And I, I think Veach understands that. And that's why you've seen such a heavy investment the last couple of years on that side of the ball. I agree. I think the defense is what it's all about for this team. Now, look, I don't think the Chiefs should get arrogant and think just because they got Mahomes and Reed, they can, you know, they can put you and me out there and, and still score 30 points. But I do think it's really smart the way they're managing the team. And they should be emboldened after what they did last year with the guys that they did it. And I think you're seeing that inform their strategy this year. Now they got to keep getting the draft right. They got to keep being smart with the salary cap. But when we look at the guys, and as as our our pal Zach Best mentioned in the chat, he said, "Hey, well the Patriots went undefeated with Randy Moss, and they and they did." I, I don't think any any of us are saying we don't want the Chiefs to get really good receivers where they sure. can. But maybe that guy ends up being Sky Moore. You know, they've got to pick their spots. But the the Patriots always found ways to win, and they would reinvent that team. They did the two the two monster tight end things with with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, and people were all scrambling around trying to figure out how to stop that. They played small ball with Wes Walker. Walker. They 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 used Gronk. Then they did the the Moss thing, and Brady was throwing for fifty touchdowns. So like when you have a quarterback like the Chiefs have, you can do those things. You can you can be a chameleon. Yeah. By the way, can I can I just make a point to that? Yeah. How many Super Bowls did the uh, Pats win when they had Wes Walker? I don't know. Zero. Zero. How many did they win with Randy Moss? Oh, they didn't win it. It's zero. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Yeah. Zero. All those years they had all those great weapons to him for him to throw to. By the way, there's those two tight end sets. Yeah, they won zero with it. Zero. Okay. Gronk yeah. won. Gronk won three when Aaron Hernandez was on the team, and obviously that that was cut short for for legal reasons. Yeah. Zero is the answer to that question. You know why? Because they weren't that good defensively. That's why. Okay. Yeah. My whole thing with this is not to say not to say not to go out and get guys. I mean, the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl. Uh, a couple of years ago with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Like, obviously, it can work that way, too. But I've always argued this. So think about Mahomes' career in KC, right? So let, let's just take away the rookie year he didn't play. Five years, he's the starter. The five years, he's the starter. They've won the Super Bowl twice. What was the common thread with those two years? It was the two best defenses they had. Yep. That's the common thread. The first year he's the starter, it was probably the best offense they ever had, right? They don't even get to the Super Bowl because they can't stop anybody. Then they go out, and they invest in the defense, and they win the Super Bowl. The following year, getting a little bit older on defense in some spots, guys like Anthony Hitchens, Dan Sorensen's got to play more, Neiman's got to play more. Defense is okay, but it's slipping a little bit. Now, to be fair to that team, that was a really good team that just was ravaged by the time it got to the Super Bowl. Okay, but they gave up a, a bunch of points to the Super Bowl, they're losing it. The following year, the defense falls off a cliff, right? Age catches up, just not, not a good deal. Defense falls apart, they don't get back to the Super Bowl. This past year, She's make a ton of investments on defense, mostly through the draft. Defense by second half of the year is rolling. They win the Super Bowl. And by the way, I know in the Super Bowl, defense wasn't great. An enormous reason they won the Super Bowl is how great the they were in the AFC playoffs. Yeah. Against Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence, against Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, that is why they won the Super Bowl as much as any other reason. So to me, adding Tranquil, adding Edwards, like, look, you can make a real argument. And I wouldn't mind seeing them add a guy like a Dunlap back into the mix, like one more pass rusher. Man, the rest, if they if they do that, if they just add one more like rotational type of pass rusher, that defense is nasty. Like you look around, that defense is nasty. With because you gotta also factor in all these second year kids are gonna get be better. Right. Like it's not like these guys are finished products. And by the way, even guys like Sneed, like he's not a finished product, he's fourth year. Yeah. You know, but all these kids, all the corners, Cook, Chanel. Carl Loftish. And now you add Edwards, who's a real steady vet on the back end. You add in Tranquil, who's a really nice player. 
Kudos to the Chargers, by the way, for letting him go and signing Eric Kendricks, who was cut by maybe the worst defense in football. It's an interesting move. You get tranquil. Like, that's phenomenal for the Chiefs. If that defense is like 12th in the league, good night. They're winning They're winning 14 games, right? Yep. So I, I think so far for the Chiefs, they do have to fill out the receivers, but I really like the offseason off for them so far. Yeah, I agree. If this team ever, if Patrick Mahomes ever gets like a top 10, or God forbid, like, a, could you imagine if he had a top five defense? They, I, I'm not kidding. They would, they would never lose. They would be like 16-1 and one and just absolutely destroy teams over and over and over. Like if if he had if he had the San Francisco 49ers defense, I like it's just so I get what Veach is doing and 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 it's a smart use of resources. Not every team, you know, like the, take the Bengals. And this is a no shade on on the offensive coaches or the head coach in Cincinnati, but like you have Joe Burrow and you have these incredible weapons on offense. That's great, right? But like not every team has an Andy Reid, play caller, play designer who has decades of experience scoring points with all manner of quarterbacks, all manner of, of offensive personnel. And so you lean into where you're strong. And if you're Cincinnati, you're like, hey, we got these guys. We got to keep these guys on offense, right? That's what's going to work for us. Brett Veach knows what he has. He knows he's got a Hall of Famer in Mahomes. He knows he has a Hall of Famer in Travis Kelsey, and he's got Andy Reid. So he can take those resources and be smart. Give them good football players that fit their system. We saw it last year with the kinds of receivers they got. There was clearly a conversation about we want bigger receivers who are physical and who can help us block because this is the the style of offense that we're going to run this year. And it worked. And they scored more points than they did with Tyreek Hill. Meanwhile, as you pointed out, they invested in the defense. They got younger. They got faster. They got better. So it's very exciting to think about them going into this draft because I honestly feel like, and, and we can finally dive face first into the receiver conversation, I really feel like they can go into this draft and Brett Veach, is, he, can, he can wait for the best player, the best situation in this draft and a lot of these rounds and really make this team well-rounded, deep, young, cheap, and fast. If you picture the draft in terms of like levels of anxiety and how teams are acting, right? Like, so like yeah. take the first overall pick. Like they don't have a ton of anxiety, so you know they're going to take, right? So they can just sit back, put the feet up on the desk, turn the card in, celebrate. And then you get to like that middle, that like soft underbelly of the first round, like the teens. And those are the teams I just picture, like everybody's sitting around chain smoking like it's the 40s, right? <laughs> like just like cigarettes between every finger and just just ripping heaters. Because at that point, like they don't know who's going to fall to them. They're desperate to get back in the playoffs. They've got one year to turn around. Like maybe yeah. they might get fired. So like those are the teams that are desperate. And then you have like those teams that are like 20 to like 30, right? Like those teams that are playoff teams, maybe they get to the Super Bowl. But they're teams who, like, they're like, all right, you know what? Little Some anxiety because how's the board going to fall? But feeling pretty good because we need maybe one or two pieces. And then you have a team like Philadelphia or Kansas City that I just picture them just, like, smoking cigars and, like, turning on the draft around, like, pick 15. Being like, yeah. all right, what's going on? Yeah. Like, it, there's no – when you've drafted as well uh, as, as both Philadelphia and Kansas City have in recent years, when you draft that well, you have a stockpile of talent and young talent that you're like, look – we're in good shape no matter what happens. Now, obviously, you don't want to miss on a draft pick. You don't want to miss on an entire draft class because that's how you get in trouble down the road. That always catches up to you. Yep. They've drafted so well in Kansas City that you can look at this now and just go, hey, look, man, like we already have a ton of spots, not only filled now, but filled for years. So yeah. it allows for the opportunity. Let's say just for an example, okay, they really want to take a receiver first round and Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee is there because I think he, he might be. It's reasonable. If you're Brett Veach, you're like, great. That's like the one hole on the entire team. Let's take him. 
That's fine. And like you just move on. You don't have to sit there and go, God, and we got four or five holes on the roster. What do we do? Which which of like which is the lesser evil to leave basically unaddressed? And then you're hoping it lands in the second round. The Chiefs don't have that problem. Like the Chiefs literally can sit there and just go, I don't know, receiver. Cool. We're done. And everybody else is just competing. Now, that said, <laughs> I don't think any of us thought last year that eight rookies were going to be playing a ton of snaps, right? Mm-hmm. But they were so good that they were. And, of course, the goal for Brett Veach is to find rookies who are good enough to compete right away and push veterans and, and all the rest of it. That's ideal. Yeah. But I think they're just they're in a terrific spot, and that's evident by the fact that they're going to be getting fitted for rings here over the next couple <laughs> of months. So it's worked yeah. out okay. Yeah. So let's talk about these receivers and, and who's out there. Now, as you pointed out, they've got like what three receivers under contract, like yes. that you can expect to play. They've got some other guys around. Yeah, you could roll out there and and you could say, all right, they're going to go into the season. They, we, it's been reported they expect Kadarius Tony to be their one, so they're going out there with a receiving core of Travis Kelsey. Then you got Kadarius Tony, then MVS, and you got Sky Moore. Right. And when you think about it like that. That's a pretty good starting lineup. Now, I know Tony hasn't done a lot in the NFL yet, but you can see the talent. And Sky Moore, you could see his talent last year. He also hasn't done anything. So I think probably the thing that has most Chiefs fans worried, Vertoram, is the unknown element, right? They're looking at this group and they're like, okay, like I like it on paper, but Travis Kelsey's getting older, right? You could see a little bit of a decline at any time. And then Tony could get hurt. And then if I don't have Tony, I've never actually seen Sky Moore do anything. And I've got MVS and I kind of know what he is. So that I can see the concern. So that means that people are having conversations about trading for guys like DeAndre Hopkins, trying to sign Odell Beckham Jr. And, and in the third, the craze on Twitter that Justin Ross is basically the second coming of Jerry Rice. Yeah. He ran up a hill. Did you see it? He ran up a hill. I saw he ran up a hill. That's great. Yeah. I'm glad for the young man who's run up a hill. Hope always springs eternal in, in the Chiefs kingdom. You know, guys like Bobby Scipio. We love a rags to riches story, as our, 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 our co-host Adam Best was saying. What do you make of all of these conversations? Do you think the Chiefs should try to get DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham Jr.? Or should they just draft some more receivers? I mean, I think they should try to trade for DeAndre Hopkins if they don't have to redo his contract. If they have to redo his contract, I, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I would not do it. Odell Beckham, I'd give him a one-year contract, and I probably wouldn't go above $10 bucks. And I got to tell you, here's the problem with that. When you sign a guy to a one-year contract, there's nowhere for that cap hit to go. So you got to be able to fit it under the cap. And if I'm the Chiefs, I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you want to do that? Do you want to? Or you're like, look, $10 million is way too rich. We're not giving him that. We're going to give him six. Now, I don't think he would do that, right? I mean, I mean, McCall Hardman got one year up to six. Maybe you come in with a base of six or seven and you do incentives up to 10 or 11 or whatever it is. I think, you know, but I I, I don't think either one of those guys are like magic elixirs. I don't. I, now, now, listen, to be fair, both of them are tremendous talents. And if you just hit, hit gold... And they play 17 games and, and everything works out. Sure, maybe. The Justin Ross stuff, look, I mean, God bless him. I hope it turns out. But, like, to sit there and bank on Justin Ross is insane. I mean, he hasn't done anything in years. He hasn't been healthy in four years. Right. Okay. And, and, I, and I'm going to say this, too. It's a damn shame. Because if anybody saw that kid in his freshman year at Clemson, yeah. he was unbelievable. I remember watching him and literally thinking to myself, if he came out of the draft right now, he'd be a top five pick. He made was, Alabama look like a MAC team. It was unbelievable how dominant he was, but unfortunately it happens in sports and he got hurt. But, you know, you look at, like, I know a guy stationed there saying DJ Chark, right? Now, DJ Chark's interesting, and I, and I like him. I think he's an underrated player. He's 26 years old. In 2019, he had 1,000 yards on Jacksonville, okay? Yeah. And, then he, and then 2020, 
He had 53 catches for 706 yards and five touchdowns. Last year in Detroit, played 11 games, 502 yards and three touchdowns. Like, DJ Chark can play. He's not a bad player. Like, DJ Chark is a is a solid player. Is he a one? No, he's not a one. Is he a two? Yeah, I think he's a reasonable. Look, he's probably on a really good raw. Like he's probably a three. But if you had him and MVS and Tony, along, of course, with Kelsey, I, I, yeah, I think you're okay there. But I think for... The Chiefs, a guy like Chark would make sense, but I don't, I don't, I understand concern over it. I don't understand the panic. Like, I do see people who are just freaking out. It's like, you do it. This is the same team that walked away from Tyree Kill and Tyron Matthew and Traverius Ward last year and then boat raced the entire AFC, got the number one seed and won the Super Bowl. Like, I just think sometimes you have to let this play out. And I do think that there are options out there you could also trade for that aren't just named DeAndre Hopkins. I think by the time they get to training camp, they'll be fine. And you'll look at them and go, oh, yeah, I actually filled it out pretty well. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we were having the same conversation last year about their corners. You remember that? Because, like, yep. obviously they, they ended up drafting a bunch of corners. But we were all sitting here like, okay, so what are they going to do? Because Ward's gone and Tyron Matthews now gone. Not that he was a corner, but he's gone. And we're all like, okay, so they have Rashad Fenton and they have Lejari Sneed and they have who? And like, we're all sitting there like, I don't, I don't know who the hell they have. Like, what are they going to do? Well, it turned out they drafted McDuffie, who everybody was high on, first round pick. And they're like, yeah, Joshua Williams and, and Jalen Watson, that's cool, whatever. Now, as it turns out, like playing every snap of the AFC Championship game, like it worked out. It was okay. I think, I think Brett Beach has, again, earned the right. Like, I, I just think he's shown he will figure it out. Yeah. I was a question about, what you thought about Hart, the Hartman thing, not like a massive contract familiarity, obviously with, with the chiefs. Yep. Do you think that that relationship was just sort of like both were ready for a change or would you have thought maybe they should have brought him back for that kind of deal? You know, I, I don't think it's a bad deal, uh, you know, to bring the guy back on, but I will say this. And, and I, and I don't know this, this is just my opinion. I wonder if there's a little bit of, for McCall, if there was a little bit of like, I'm just ready to kind of go somewhere where I can maybe get some more guaranteed targets and I, I kind of get a fresh start. He didn't have a bad career in Kansas City, but he had a career that was maybe, from a personal standpoint as a receiver, a little bit unfulfilling. You know, you always kind of felt like there was a little more there and maybe he finds that in New York. I, I will root for him. You know, I think it's uh, Red Tribe Cinema, who's on Twitter, who... You, I think it's done by Clay Wendler. He does a great job with it. Um, if you don't follow that, you should. It's, it's really interesting. But he, anyway, they put out a bunch of like Chiefs-related content and whatnot. He put out, I, I believe it was yesterday, maybe. Yeah, it should have been yesterday because when Hardman got signed. Uh, it was like, it, you know, this was the last, you know, time we saw Hardman Chiefs uniform making this heroic catching AFC title game. It's like he came back in a lot of pain to play that game to try to get them to the Super Bowl. And he made a key third down catch on the drive that ended up putting them ahead 20 to 13. You know what, man? Like in the end, people say what they want about McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman was a good piece for the Chiefs. Is he was he putting him over the top? Was he was he dominant? No. But I think in reality, like he gave him something that they needed at times. I mean, I always remember Franklin. I think of McCall Hardman. I'll think of that kick or excuse me, yeah, that kick return against the Texans in the AC divisional game that kind of started that whole yeah. comeback. So in the end, you know what? I think it probably is a good, smart move for Harden. You kind of get a fresh start, go somewhere where you're probably going to be playing with Aaron Rodgers. You have a quarterback. You're not going somewhere where, where nobody's throwing you the ball. Um, and for the Chiefs, maybe it's an opportunity to open it up for a young guy, maybe bring in a rookie and and kind of see where things go. Yeah, he, he played his part. And I think that's something that sometimes we lose track of as fans, that you got a 53-man roster. And not everybody's going to be Travis Kelsey for you, even if they get drafted in a high round. But 
you think back at some of the guys who who came through. You know, Daniel Sorensen played a big part in a in a championship for the Chiefs. Um, guys like McCole Hardman. So like, you know, it it's it'd be great if everybody turned out to be all pros, first team all pros, but you know, they it doesn't mean that they're not going to make that big play. And you never know where it's going to come from, as we pointed out earlier. Kadarius Tony. And uh, you know, if I told you before the season, Kadarius Tony and Jarek McKinnon were going to be the most important players for the Chiefs to win a Super Bowl, you would have been like, Are you crazy? That one guy's not even on the team. Right. But I, and I think, I, again, though, that speaks to just kind of like what the NFL season can be. That's another thing, too. Like, Brett Veach might even say, listen, we're going to we're gonna throw some stuff at the wall. We're going to see what happens. And if you get into the season and we're approaching the trade deadline, like it's not really panning out the way we want, we'll go get somebody. We'll go make it. There's always somebody available. There's always guys out there. But here, I'll give you so I'll, this total example. Here's an example. Let's say that they get to week six, okay? And let's say the Chiefs are like, I mean, you don't know what the schedule is yet, but like four and two, five, one. Like they're playing fine, but maybe they're lacking at receiver a little bit. Well, maybe the Colts are atrocious. Maybe the Chiefs call them up. I'm like, hey, Michael Pittman, we'll give you a second round pick. You know, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, Michael Pittman, Travis Kelsey, Kadarius Tony, MVS, looking good. Like, and and yeah. then they, they, they go like 10 and one the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I mean, so I think with the Chiefs, it's all about getting ready for January. I mean, God will, as long as Mahomes is upright, man, they're going to the playoffs. They're winning that division. It really then, it for the Chiefs, the NFL season's not 17 games. It's three or four. Like, that's what it is. Like the, Everything else, it matters, of course, because you're getting seating and all that. But like, it's a preamble. As long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy, it is a preamble. So I think sometimes we look at this the wrong way. Like, do you think, do you think Brett Veach is freaking out about week one? Like, certainly they want to be the best version of themselves, but I, I'm sure he's sitting there going, all right, look, we got to figure this out. Don't get me wrong, but like, okay, it'll be okay. Like, we'll, we'll figure it out. And when the time comes to really be ready, we'll be ready. And I, I think you see that all the time with Spagnolo with that defense. And by the way, you see that in Andy Reid. How many times we sit in here and we saw it in the Super Bowl multiple times where you you don't see a play all year long and then they'll pull some play out in a playoff game. You're like, where the hell was that? And you're like, like I remember that third and one with Pacheco in the Super Bowl on the on the eventual game winning drive. And I the whole drive, I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, God, I hope they don't end up in a short yarded situation because that's been nightmare. And of course, right, right, third and one, like it has to be. And I'm thinking all the scenarios in my head, right? They got the two backs set up, and I'm like, they, they're never in a two back. Like, what are they doing? They're in like a pro style set. I mean, are they going to run? You know, and I'm thinking like run with Burton or you know, last thing in the world I'm thinking is they're going to run like a power sweep to the left hand side. Of it. But that's what they did, and they, they caught the Eagles by such surprise that if Gardner Johnson doesn't make a great tackle. I mean, Pacheco could have moonwalked to the end zone. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they think that way. They prepare for January and February. I, I think I think that's also got to be part of the way you think about this as well. Yeah, it's about time to start shifting our focus towards those opportunities, and the Chiefs have many of them coming up in Kansas City at the NFL Draft. And hopefully, Verter and we can get you back sometime next month to to help get us ready for that. But before we get out of here, I gotta say, man, I gotta I gotta ask you because. Our opportunities to do this in front of a microphone have have diminished significantly since you took your new job. Have you gotten your hands on any Girl Scout cookies yet? And what are your you know what are your what are your rankings there? So I so here's here's the deal. So I have not. I've been actively trying to avoid this in the sense that I've decided I got back from the combine and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, you sir need to lose twenty pounds because. I've drank and ate enough between the Senior Bowl, Super Bowl, and the Combine that I, I felt like a stroke was imminent. So I said, you know what? So I, I, uh, I've taken up 
above all things in the last like month, I've taken a pickleball. I don't know if you've ever played that. I haven't. I'm, I'm familiar with it's the fastest growing sport in the it's, United States. I think. It's beyond addictive. Yeah. Like I went out and bought like a paddle and the whole deal. And, and at my gym, every day you can play from 8 a.m. to noon. And when I'm not on the clock for Sports Illustrated, I go there and I just get after. And it's it's a great work. It's a crazy workout. And now I'm now I'm to the point like I'm obsessed with being like the best person at the gym, which might take a little while, but I'm going to get there. I hope. But so my point is, I'm trying to be healthy. That all said, the rankings no problem because I've I've consumed many a Girl Scout cookie in my lifetime. So number one, no questions asked. Tag along. If it's if if you're not into the the tag along, which for those out there, like what like the peanut butter chocolate cookie, yeah. get out. Yep. Get out. You're a creep. Number two, I'm going with the thin mint. And and the thin mint's gotta go in the freezer first. Make it nice and oh, cold. Yeah. Oh, it's yep. beautiful. Yep. Now after that, I'm willing to have a discussion. I I like the Samoas, you know, the at least it's I think they're still called. They're like the uh the ones with like the coconut chocolate and the coconut. Yeah. They're really good. And then after that, it's all it's all just whatever. Like the shortbread cookies, fine, and the dosey dose, fine. But th- those are my top three. It's not even a question. Yeah, I, I think the 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 lemon ones are really good too. They don't get enough love, but yeah, the tagalongs are the goat. It's not even. It's like the cinnamon toast crunch. Right, um, of course, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the the peanut butter sandwich cookies are really good too. I think those are my second favorite. I don't know if you okay. ever came across those. Um, no chocolate on it, but it's uh, oh god, so good. Yeah, man, it's um. It's definitely getting in shape season. The uh, <laughs> it's starting yeah. to get warm. Can't wear a hoodie every day anymore. I got back from Indy. <laughs> I was like, I, I I'm gonna have to jump off my roof to get into my pants at this point. Like this is <laughs> this is not good. Okay, like this is. Yeah. I just man, when you're on the road for that long, I can't speak for anybody else. Maybe some of you out there are really disciplined when you're out on the road, but it's like you know you have that tendency. Like, at least I do. You're like, all right, I'm gonna go out to dinner. And, you know, you never, I'm never the, I'm never the guy who's like, I'm going to get the grilled salmon with a side salad. I'm not doing that. Yeah. So, and then you have some beers and then God knows in India, you're out talking to people in the business and you're trying to get information. You're trying to touch base. You're like, you're out to like 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m. And you're not drinking waters, okay, at 3.30 in the morning. You're, no. you're being, you're being reasonable. You got to be a professional, but yeah. my God. And man, you come back and you're just like, ah, this, this has to stop. So now- Yes, I'm, I'm over the next couple of months here. I'll get myself back into uh, respectable, respectable shape. But uh, oh, it's uh, it's bad scene. It's bad scene. Right now. And you know, I'm surprised because you have you have two daughters. Well, one of them is old enough to be in the scouts. I w- I think. Why are you not getting this inside connection here? Oh, I think she starts next year. Okay, so she is going to do scouts. You think? Probably. Yeah, I think my I, I think my wife did did scouts, and I know I was in the I. I Girls, because I was in the uh, was in the Boy Scouts for oh god, I don't know how many years. Well, I was like thirteen. Um, my cousin became an Eagle Scout. I no chance in hell, no chance. <laughs> I remember they handed us like the pamphlet. Now like, you need to learn these sixty knots. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> being like, like as a kid, it was fun. Like being in the Boy Scouts, that was cool. Like I like going camping, and like my my dad was involved in it, and yeah, that was fun. Like I like doing the outdoor stuff. But then then you got into Boy Scouts. And it became at least for all, like the the troop or whatever that we were in. It, it became like serious. It became like all right, you know, we're gonna you know you gotta check off all these boxes. And like some of them were like pretty fun, but some of it I was like, yeah, listen, I yeah, I'm gonna go play NHL 2001. You boys, let me know how things play out with the knots. Yeah, like I'm not like if I'm tying <laughs> knots in the summer, it's so I can yeah. go fishing. Okay, I'm tying on a lure. I'm not sitting there tying on. You know, hey, yeah, look at this. I can tie my. Uh, 
my whatever. I can tie my shoelace into 18 different knots. You know, no, no, I'm not. There's, there's no time for that. So, yeah. but yes, my cousin, God bless him, Eagle Scout. My uncle's an Eagle Scout. I, I dropped the ball there. Not me, man. Not never, never my uh, thing. Our guy Stacy in the chat says, "Where's the love for shortbread? Shortbreads are good. Shortbreads are good. Solid. But you know, I mean, there's just just some classics here. You know, I, I I was never a big fan of coconut, so I don't really like the Samoas. I stay away from those. But yeah, you've got a daughter, so when you get her started in Scouts, I want you to let me know. Cause I don't, I need a direct connection and I'll drive up there to where you live to get them. See, I'll tell you, I remember, you know, they have like, I, I don't know if they still do it. Cause God knows now there'd probably be people who are like, it's not good to have the kids competing against each other. But like when I was younger, they had, you know, you had to sell like whatever it was. Obviously we weren't selling cookies. I, f- I forget. There was like some other kind of drive for the Boy Scouts, whatever the hell it was. And it was like, you had to sell like, however, and it was like, I was, I was, uh, it was candy bars, it was candy bars. Yeah. So you had you know, a lot of times you'd go to like the local barber shop and you put a box in there and you know whatever. So my grandmother at the time, about ninety miles away, worked down in a in a suburb of New York City. Worked at a very very large bank, and she just was like, "Give me as many of these things as you can." You'd <laughs> like, be you know you had these counts of like oh, I sold sixty, sold seventy, sold sold four hundred ninety two. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Yeah, I mean, it was like it was just, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. Like, all right, hey Nana, listen, here's about twelve boxes of these uh, chocolate peanut butter uh, bars. Go, go nuts! Go, okay, yeah. just put them at the elevator. Yeah, put in a buck. Boom, yeah. done. Yeah, it, it, it was always bullshit. That in my class when they'd come around with those things and they, you know, here's the catalog and go around yeah. and sell to your neighbors and you're you know you can win a Ferrari or whatever. And it's like, there would always be some kid, like whoever got the best in the class. Like there's always some kid whose dad worked on at the GM plant, yeah. you know, and there's like a thousand people in there and they just put the box in the, the catalog in the lunchroom and we're like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I sold 30,000 units, you know? And meanwhile, I'm going and knocking on the four neighbors houses. And I'm like, would you buy a tin of popcorn please? You know, right. and I'm getting like, I'm getting like a sticker set. And, you know, and this kid's got like one of those like little Jeeps that they can yeah. drive around. Not fair, man. Not fair. That's why you, you the, the town's kid should have ganged up on, uh, you know, Johnny and beat the hell out of him taking his Jeep. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That'll yeah. teach you to collude. Yeah. Yeah. Show him who's boss. It's, uh, no, it's funny though, man. It's, you look back on like some of that stuff. It is true. But I, I do remember. Did you guys in school, in grade school, did you guys have like book fairs and stuff? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So we always had book fairs, and and I will say, like I I like to read. I bought some books as a kid. You know, we're talking like seven, eight, nine years old. But they also always had posters, and they always like there was always like you know TV shows and whatever. But I didn't care about any of that. Like they had a handful of sports stars every year. Like the first day, I wouldn't buy books. The first day, I usually go back like later in the weekend. Yeah, I just go in and get posters of like sports players, and I I'd, I'd have like the occasional teacher to be like, you know, Matt, at some point you got to <laughs> got to pick up a book. Like, no, nah, I love sports. But yeah. yeah, but a book would really be preferable. You know, but now nah, you listen, you're selling those those posters down there. You don't want me to buy a poster, don't sell me one. Yeah, yeah. But I was also the kid who I don't know how many of you are familiar with Beverly Cleary, the uh, author who wrote kids' books forever and ever and ever and ever. There's one book that she wrote called Mouse and the Motorcycle. And my wife actually just finished reading it to my daughter, which goes to show you, by the way, the, the reading level we're talking about. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that I did a book report on Mouse and the Motorcycle until I was about 14 because I just didn't want to read any other book. And <laughs> it, it, it got to the point, I was like a freshman in high school and my teacher's like, listen, this is all nice and well, read a real book. Yeah, I was offended. How dare yeah. you? So yeah. I, I did. I read the sequel yeah. and I handed it to him. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how well that went over, but uh, hey, 
Point is, don't let people tell you what to do. Go ahead and get, you want a poster, get a damn poster. You'll learn how to read at some point. That's right. That's right. By the way, I'm going to Cleveland this weekend. See my old man, take him to a there ball game. Go. Do you want me to say, do you want me to swing by the RV Hall of Fame and, and, and say anything for you when I'm going through Indiana? Dude, if you if you go to the RV Hall of Fame, like I, next time I see you, I'll buy you multiple beers. because That would be that would be hilarious. Hey, by the way, they're it. building an addition. Oh, are they? They are, <laughs> yeah. Can't hold down the RV uh, motorhome uh, Hall of Fame. <laughs> I'm gonna look. I am gonna look that up because I'm going. I'm driving out there by myself. Mag's not coming. Not, no dogs. I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't. Want, I'm not on a schedule. So usually I try not to stop in Indiana at all. I try to just get right through Indiana and get into Ohio. But maybe I'll make a stop to make a video. It's we'll play it on the podcast. I every time I go back home to New York, I pass it, and every time I think to myself. Like, what qualifies somebody to be in the RV Motorhome Hall of Fame? Like, I just need to know. Like, is it is it that, like, somebody drove, like, 400,000 miles in a souped-out, like, souped-up Winnebago? And that, they're like, all right, that's it. He, you know, you know uh, Susie's in. Yeah. She drove cross-country 900 times. Like, I... I have to know. In fact, I'm Googling this right now because I, I, I just... I, I'm, I'm so... I, I think part concerned and part interested... Um, so it's in, it's in Elkhart, Indiana. Yeah. It is the RV Motorhome Hall of Fame. It is in a hundred thousand square foot museum. Okay. And it is described as, uh, on, you know, so Wikipedia has a page for this thing. It's founded in 1972. It was, it was founded as the recreational vehicle manufactured housing heritage foundation. And the opening paragraph is the RV Motorhome Hall of Fame, uh, 100,000 square foot museum, Elkhart, Indiana, that features a variety of historical recreational vehicles from Airstream, Winnebago, and other American makers. The the primary goals are to, quote, to create a display of historic RV motorhome products in a museum for the education and enjoyment of the public. I'm just blown away by this entire situation. Yeah. So apparently, like looking at like pictures of this, it literally is just like random, like old style, like RVs and motorhomes that people just drive around. It's like, would you like to see what a 1954 RV looked like? Step right in. <laughs> Unbelievable. I really want to go now. Admission is $15, which is, I don't know, man, that's something <laughs> I'll have to wrestle with. But they've got a gift shop. And if I go, I'm getting you something from the gift shop. Listen, you want, you want you an RV deal. Hall of Fame t-shirt? If, if you go... If you go next time I see you, I will give you back the fifteen dollars. But you have to buy me something from the uh, the, from gift, the gift shop. shop. Yeah. Okay, all right, you got it. And, and with that, see, we had to get in. We had to play some of the hits <laughs> since since you haven't been on the show for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was that was for you, hardcore. Uh, and by the way, we didn't kick you out of the uh, we didn't kick you out of the Discord. We no. just uh, we had it. We debated it. Should we kick Vertoram out? Uh, is he banned? Oh, so if you want to hang out with the members. And uh, you know, drop in, talk some football. Sometimes you're an honorary for life member of the Arrowhead Attic Discord. If any of you would like to to become a part of our membership and support this podcast, check out the link in the description. And real quick before we go, like really, really quick, if you really want to support this podcast, check out Fanduel. Use the code Arrowhead. You got a bunch of NCAA games tonight. Uh, you get a no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars, ten dollars. First deposit required. New customers only 21 plus and present in Kansas. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. See full terms 
uh, at sportsbook.fanduel.com or in the description below. Really helps out the podcast if you go visit FanDuel and use that code Arrowhead. Bet you missed those, Ram. all the phone numbers. I'm not going to lie at this point. I was hoping it was that one where there was like you had to read off 29 different states. <laughs> have a gambling right. problem in Tennessee? Yeah. Call yeah. 1-800-TNTNTN7. Like that, that was always my favorite. Well, and really quickly, before we go, Unknown Known 87 wants to know, are there any podcasts or videos that you're doing that they can follow moving forward? Of course, other than your appearances here on the Arrowhead Attic. Yes, yeah, I'll, I'll be around uh, occasionally here. Um, it's it's uh, it, you know I'll, I'll I'll be popping in from time to time. It's not a regularly scheduled thing, but I'll I'll definitely be around. You, you'll be able to catch me. So right now, the answer to that question is currently not not at the second because uh, the uh, SI's podcast, which is the MMQB podcast. Uh, they are kind of figuring out where to go. They had a restructure right right before I came in. And so um, they're kind of figuring out what that's going to look like moving forward. But I will tell you that, obviously, I love doing podcasts and I love doing video stuff. I will say I will be doing some SI video stuff, I believe, starting next week. So right. that you'll be able to find me on. But uh, yeah, look, it, and I don't feel bad shilling now because I'm a guest and that's my job at the end of these things. Uh, look, if you follow me on Twitter, first of all, thank you. And I'm sorry. Secondly, um, you can be a super follower. Uh, I have weekly Friday chats with everybody. We go on, answer every question everybody has. We have a good time. We chop it up. Uh, we'll do, we started, the first one we ever did was yesterday. We did a, um, we did like a, a Zoom, like a happy hour, like a virtual happy hour, which is cool. We're on for an hour. Probably do one, you know, at least one a month, maybe even more if you're a super follower and it's like five bucks a month, which I get it. Look, five bucks a month is not nothing, right? And you can spend five bucks a month on something better than me. Maybe you get a cheap six pack, whatever. But if you miss that kind of content, you want to hang out and chat and you're willing to part with five bucks a month, I'm happy to do it. I appreciate the support. And in the, and then I will let people know on Twitter, like once the podcast side of it gets figured out at SI and we kind of figure out where all that's going, I'll definitely keep people up to date because I do miss doing them. Awesome. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. We'll be back next week with our regular slate of shows. I don't know who's going to co-host with me next week. I got to get on that. Um, maybe one of you. Shoot me, shoot me a DM. Um, but uh, it's really great to have you back, Matt. Hopefully we'll get you back on here sometime soon. Talk about the draft. Um, but until then, you can find Matt's work over at sportsillustrated.com and the MMQB coming out with stuff every day. So check it out. For uh, producer Richard, my name is Patrick Allen. And for our friend Matt Bergeram, we'll see you next time. But until then, go Chiefs. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.